GM, GM, everyone. Bonjour. Guten Morgen. Dobro jutro. Labri. That is basically the way how we do it here in Web3 space in Europe. We're happy to have you on the weekly episode of Origins XYZ, the Web3 show about the origins of the biggest OGs in the space with, you know, this European spirit. We're live every Tuesday, 2 p.m. GMT, and as always, I'm your host, Nikit Sikaluk, and I'm here to grow together with you. Make sure that you share the space with your family, friends, colleagues, because we are live, and oh boy, today I have perhaps one of the best duo, even those are not working that much together, but they have some collabs, they have some projects together, but these two amazing ladies are here today to talk about the future of digital fashion, the state in which we are right now, talk about the projects that they are working on. Ladies, GMGM to both of you, happy to have you on my show. Yeah, I want to add a little hello from Belarus, which is Dobre Ranitsi. Let's go! (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Uh, super happy to be here to reconnect with most of the people who I saw a couple of weeks ago in New York. Uh, Quick introduction, I'm Leila, co-founder of Artisan Digital Fashion Platform that does free daily drops and also allows people to mint and trade their assets. Let's go. Mm-hmm. Absolutely love it. Leila, by the way, that is the first time whenever any of my guests added their own introduction. I mean, GM, GM. It's basically I have, I do believe I have people from, I had people from all around the world and no one ever asked me what are those languages, like what is Labrit, what is Dobrotra and stuff like that. So absolutely appreciate you adding a bit from your side. Love it. <laughs> Oh, I might be able to join you on that one. I mean, from Belgium, we would say, Morgen. and then uh, in Australia, we'd say, just say, how's it going? <laughs> I love it. I absolutely love it. Ladies, I'm happy to have both of you. And as Leila just mentioned, we actually just, all of us, I see that Lana also just joined us. We all just came from New York. I know that... Not all of us were there in New York, but New York was a big topic. And since, yeah, 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 talking about you, of course, since uh, you, Leila, were in New York and you enjoyed not only NFT NYC, but all the activations out there, why don't we start with New York topic? How are you feeling, by the way? It seems like it's been over 10 days right now after the conference. How are you feeling? Well, I'm uh, feeling much better. Uh, of course, I brought little flu as a souvenir from New York, New York after the very intense week. My body broke down for a few days, but yeah, I feel like m- most people, many people who, who come from conferences get some kind of virus, so it's totally fine. But other than that, I just came, you know, with a lot of new uh, contacts, friends, and this NFT NYC, I took a bit different approach where I decided to have more in-person meetings rather than big events. And I'm so happy I did it because I got to sit down with CEOs, CMOs of different projects and kind of like look at what they do and how they do. And what I love about Web3 is that, you know, I felt very comfortable sharing our customer development research. 
and sharing our thoughts on where we think the market is going to go and how we can take digital fashion mass markets. And all my, I would say, com <laughs> competitors were comfortable as well because we realized that, you know, if we unite forces and work together, we'll walk way further and much faster than if we would fight with each other and compete. Yes, I haven't seen Mutani at the conference, but I just wanted to say that Artisan was so lucky to be the platform where Mutani launched their first, uh, not the first, but very interesting, and yes, first in many ways collection. Um, and it's absolutely beautiful. And although I'm not a big believer of digital fashion uh, art collectibles, I really think that this is like one of the few projects that can be considered as a form of art and can be collected as a valuable asset. But I'm sure Shaylee will do a much better job <laughs> telling about the, her projects. Absolutely. Right, thanks, we Leila. have the whole show today to chat about the project. As far as I know, Shelly, you didn't come to New York. Am I right? You were saying that you were traveling no. in a completely <laughs> different direction at that time. Yeah, I boycotted New York this time. Actually, I was, like, to be honest, a little surprised. So many people were still going because, um, you know, a lot of the sentiment around this NFT New York, NFT NYC, is that, you know, we make some changes. Quality. Let, let, let's put it this way. Yeah. I'm, even though let's I'm a program advisor to them, I didn't have like, the full power mm. to make the change. It's definitely like tens of people who were involved. Mm. But I do believe from the feedback I heard from people and basically what I've seen on stage, off stage as well, NFT NYC did some progress. I mean, like, you ask Leila, you ask Lana. Uh, like, glad to hear. Them, as far as I know, enjoyed what was happening there in one way or another. That's fantastic. Which sounds cool, exactly. Yeah, I mean, but, you know, on the other side of that, like, I've been kind of taking, like, a nice moment to kind of concentrate on a bit of market research and kind of refocus ourselves and our direction because I really feel like it's a time that calls for that um you know last year was a pretty heavy year of travel for me I think I have radiation poisoning from all the planes I took so um this year I kind of made a conscious decision to keep it close to home um and and really kind of heads down bum up focus a lot more on uh, on the building and uh research as well so you know, I still have a production productive time. Of course, I get the FOMO, but, you know, NFT Paris wasn't so long ago, so I can still ride off that high. It's okay. I will survive. Come on. Paris is still out there. We have Metaverse Summit coming soon. We oh, have yes. I mean, Lisbon is happening in a bit more than a month from now. So you are placed in a very good, very, I would say, Web3 reach center of Europe so I do believe you're good no no need for mm. long traveling everything is happening around you you have France you have Portugal you have the UK so you're doing amazing in any case we really missed you out there because I felt like some of these innovations were really cool and because of the fact that a lot of French fam specifically fashion fam was there in New York I do believe they also brought this spirit attitude of uh, European builders, which I actually love. I love that. I actually loved a lot. So I hope that you'll join us at least next time. I just pinned the Twitter space that we had live from New York. I know that Layla was patiently waiting for her turn for about half an hour or so. She didn't have a chance to speak back in New York, but 
hey, we're here, we're having this space today, and uh, I, I'm happy that I finally have a qualitative time with both of you. Yeah, yeah me so too. Much. Thank you so much. I can see my dear friend here. I'm a bit surprised that he joined. His name is Dmitry, and he's one of my favorite writers ever. He's the author of the book called Metro 2033. Of course I know Dmitry. Uh, of course I know Dmitry. Dmitry, we were hanging out with you at Agnes Stakola's birthday half a year ago, if you remember. And uh, he also oh. signed a book to my father because he's also one of favorite modern uh, writers of my father. So Dmitry, happy that you joined us as well. It seems like we have a very international family out here. Glad that you joined us. That's quite amazing. And yes, just to echo Shelley's point about skipping conference, I've never seen any industry where we have so many international events. And I feel like this is the consequence of a very successful bull run that happened a year ago, so two years ago. And that's why, you know, we're so excited and companies are able to burn so much money on this international events. But really, it seems a little bit excessive. Uh, mm. So, yeah, and literally, if you go to all these events, when do you have time to work? And if you're an artist, when do you have time to just sit down and do the work? Um, so I'm fully supportive of skipping the, most of the events and just like being very strategic and targeted on where you're going and being very intentional because Nick will um, probably support me on, you know, having so many events, sometimes overlapping, like three, four amazing events would be happening at the same time across Manhattan and Brooklyn. And there is no way you can make it to every event. <laughs> so sometimes it's better yeah. just, just to just like sit still and do your creative work instead of trying to make it to every event, trying to show up and say hello to everyone. Yeah, so I really think that in the next few years, there will be a significant cut down on the conferences and events, and maybe there will be like two or three big runs. And maybe that's all we need. Actually, something that kind of fun that's happened here in Belgium, like Belgium actually has a really strong developer community, albeit a small country. But like, um, so my co-founder, Anne Claus, she um, also works for Flanders DC, which is a kind of local Belgian-based um, government entity that support um, fashion startups. And they have, yeah, she, she project manages big fashion conferences and events all the time since many years. And actually she started channeling this energy into uh, a Web3 conference um, with a group of uh, the, the kind of Web3 community here um they started it last year it was called web 32 um and it kind of started small but very powerful because of course you know we have these big corporate conferences but she gives it this really nice fashion touch you know nice lighting good music beautiful installations because uh, you know Antwerp in Belgium it's really known for fashion art foods and uh, yeah, culture. So we we have a lot of strength in these areas. I fully agree. It went really well. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah. like what what this space needs more is this intimate discussions, <laughs> intimate events where you have mm -hmm. less people, but the quality takes everything from this quantity side. So I do believe. That's something that more and more of these conferences will work on later on. But I guess enough of conferences, we gather here at the end of the day to talk about fashion, to talk about digital fashion, to talk about 
what we can expect from Web3 space. And I want to start our conversation by taking a few steps back to talk about you, two wonderful builders in Web3 space, before joining the Web3 space. Obviously, both of you have some unique story, some passion for fashion, and I want to know your story, even though I feel like with Layla we had a proper chat back at Future Plus event that was organized by Shumi, so shout out to Matt Global family, we had like about an hour, maybe 40 minutes chat about her, about myself, but I would love you to share the story with everyone, but in this case I would love to start with Shaley actually, because I feel like I own you one, because we've been trying to get you on stage since last December. Since Ledger Open event, I've been trying to get you on stage. You're here right now. The stage is yours. Please share with us what was your story behind Passion for Fashion before joining Web3 Space? Uh, yeah, I mean, I've, wow, since, since a very long time. I mean, I can trace it back to the fact that my, my father... I was an art teacher when I was a child. My my grandmother is a, a painter. Um, and so I've grown up um, drawing, illustrating, painting. I learned the color wheel super early on. You know, my grandmother also made dolls and she taught me to sew. Um, even before I learned to sew, I was counting buttons. So I really think just I'm a product of my environment, um, which was very encouraging, very creative very hands-on um so really I mean you really see that when you meet me I'm a very like colorful crafty you entity. are you are um <laughs> yeah um so you know obviously I I did as everyone else got my education during my education though I really still was very arts focused you know always um yeah painting creating drawing I think initially I thought I would be a dancer or an artist, but, you know, my kind of skill in in sewing um, started to pick up because we had, like, a... <laughs> I went to a private girls' school, and, like, you could choose to, to cook or you could choose to sew, which is very, like, 1950s in a way, <laughs> even though it was, like, what, 2006. But, um, yeah, I chose to sew, and, and that... that I had an extremely encouraging teacher who really guided me and um, saw that I had a passion for this. Um, following that, I, I, I graduated. I studied fashion and production. Um, I, I worked as a production manager for a brand in, um, back in Perth, Western Australia. Um, following that, I, I moved to Sydney and studied a Bachelor of Design, um, where I, through a teacher, uh, who's very enthusiastic about the Antwerp Six, who are a famous group of six fashion designers who graduated the academy here in Antwerp, um, who basically built an avant-garde legacy starting in the 80s and are a huge influence on what fashion looks like today, especially if you know the likes of uh, Marta Marcella, Dries van Noten, Walter van Berendonk, Heider Ackerman, uh, yeah, they really, um, even, you know, Demna from Balenciaga is a spawn of this legacy. So I learned about that as part of fashion history and had this extremely, you know, 
enthusiastic teacher who really wanted to impress this upon us, which is when I learned about the craziest shit that people were making at the academy here in Antwerp. Like, you just go on this website and look at the archive of the amazing uh, creative work that's being made there. Um, and that inspired me to pack my bags and head on over to Antwerp um, and do my entrance exam, which is actually three days of pure painting, drawing, and illustrating. You don't do anything specifically fashion for related but it's just a way that they can judge your freedom of expression um so i was admitted they take 80 students in the end there was 10 of us in the master it was a hard grind it's like one of the most brutal fashion schools to go to there's a lot of uh, hard slog late nights tears um but in the end it really drives you to know who you are um, and your character as a designer um in terms of digital fashion during this period, I had always kind of been a, uh, aware of what was new at the time. Like when when digital printing on fabric came out, I was one of the first in my class to test it. When 3D scanning came out, I was the first to scan all my designs and then I showcased them in VR. So all of these teachers were super confused putting this headset on like, uh, <laughs> what is she making us do? But there was a lot of that with me, you know. There wasn't always the time to dive so deep into it, but I always dabbled and found kind of a way. Um, and then when I graduated, I was commissioned to be a part of an exhibition um, in Hasselt here at Z33 Gallery. Supposed to be a textile exhibition, but honestly, I was just so burnt out um, that I I wanted to do it in digital. I didn't want to sew anymore, so I... I built a team, a creative team of 3D creators, and we we worked on this vision together. And I think that's really when I kick-started, like, the digital fantasy for me. And I think, like, the attraction to that very much for me is I, I am heavily driven by this idea of freedom of self-expression. And I've always been a bit of a visual freak. Um, when I was living in Sydney, I was part of a group of club kids. We ran a club night together where it was $8 for the uninspired and uh, sorry, $10 for the uninspired and eight for the appropriately attired. So you'd have these people just head to toe, like full drag, full club kid, the works. And that was me too, you know? Um, so I, I'm a party monster and I am a, a, I have a penchant for alter ego um, in life and in digital. So I, I see this digital way as a way that others who maybe do not have um, the IRL ability to express themselves or to, to be, I would say, as brave as I am, because you do when you look a little nuts, cop a lot of shit, um, and you have to have a thick skin. And, um, and I think digital is a way that you don't, you know, you can as a vulnerable person as well, um, get that kick out of having an alter ego, wearing a mask and feeling the liberation that gives you, which is a liberation that I have in physical when I go out in my makeup and my wigs and my platforms. <laughs> um, it's a way that everyone can share that experience and be like an aspirational version of self. Um, so that's, yeah, I mean, that's, that's true to my values and kind of where I come from. I'm, I'm, uh, creative freak. I, I, th I feel like <laughs> this creative freak, as you refer to yourself, has gone through the full story 
the full journey starting from your educational background, like even starting from having this in your genes, in your DNA, coming from your parents, coming from your family, being always in this creative environment. And I do believe that the best possible stories that you can have out there, always learning, always innovating. As you said, you were the first one to try out all these 3D scans. Uh, you were the first one, among the first one to learn about digital fashion. I do believe that is the key to success to any innovator's story. You need to risk everything. You need to have this guts, you know, to try something new, to go after something. And I see that Layla just pinned the story, a uh, recent uh, episode of NFT Now with Megan Casper, who actually yeah. had the same story. <laughs> she went, if you learn Megan's story, and I learned about her couple of years ago, if you know Megan, she went all in into digital space. Right now, she's owning like 99% of her Belson crypto. She's like a diehard digital innovator, diehard digital fashion believer. And I have the feeling that, Shaley, you have a very similar story out there, which like huge props from my side. Uh, nothing but respect. Absolutely love it. Layla. Oh, thank you. Layla, I know that you have something similar in these terms, in the way how you believe in digital fashion, in the way how you feel it with all your heart, with all your soul. So share with us what was your first interaction with traditional fashion before joining Web3 Space? Sure, thank you so much for giving the space to share my story and I'm so impressed with Shaylee's story because although we spoke multiple times, I still learned a lot of new things right now about you and now I'm even more impressed and blown away by the depth of your knowledge and expertise and fashion on top of your talent. Uh, first, I pinned this tweet because the topic today is the trends in digital fashion and the future of it. And I feel like this episode and NFT Now sums up really well of where we are going. Um, Megan is such a mastermind, you know, who combines first very creative vision and very, you know, how to say it's like intuitive understanding the flow of where technology and society is going. I mean, she discovered Bitcoin in 2012. <laughs> okay, so quite early. And on top of that, she was also working in um, VC for all her life. So she has a very good understanding of the financial system and very good understanding on how to grow wealth. And normally only things that generate revenue grow and have continuous life. So I love her projections that uh, combine the vision, very bold sci-fi vision, but also, you know, have the side of, you know, financial analytical coldness that explain why and how it is going to grow. Um, very cool, cool interview. Check it out. Um, but um, about me, fashion has always been something that excited me since I was a little girl. I was very avant-garde as a kid. I would combine flower patterns with, with polka dots and checks, and my family would always judge me. So for a little bit, I would just hide my inner stylist. <laughs> but um, when I was, I think, like 11 or 12, I saw... TV host, some red carpet event, probably Oscars. And I realized that if I want to wear these beautiful dresses, and I was absolutely mesmerized by beautiful dresses, I have to be on TV. 
because I could see this beautiful host always wear amazing dresses. <laughs> so this is when I realized that I was going to be a TV host. <laughs> um, at the age of 15, I did my first audition. Um, I turned red. I was rumbling. I almost fainted and maybe peed my pants a little bit because I was terribly scared, but somehow they gave me a shot. <laughs> And some I exclusive content out of... here <laughs> <laughs> yes never mentioned before <laughs> but you know it's good to burn your shame and to open up to the world <laughs> so yes at the age of 15 I got my first little segment on tv and since then I got into school of journalism and I got started getting bigger gigs and then I got into national beauty pageant in Belarus and it was just like one thing over another. I hosted Junior Eurovision. I was a spokesperson on, big, uh, on like regular Eurovision. Uh, and that was like my drug, um, my biggest drug, just like working with millions of people in a live broadcast. And at a certain point, first, it was like this tsunami that wiped me away. But then I learned how to work with the energy of lots of people and turning into something positive and like transcend it through myself and give it back to inspire people and to light them up. And then that was like one of the most beautiful chapters of my life. Um, at a certain point, I had to leave my country uh, because I disagreed with certain political views and I had to make this choice. And I came to the States and started a very new chapter that started with getting master's degree at USC in LA, amazing school. Um, and over there, for the first time in my life, I learned about entrepreneurship and I was blown away because I always loved the concept of helping the world. And I see my job as the way of serving the world one way or another. And honestly, it doesn't really matter if I'm going to like wipe the streets and make them cleaner for people or host TV show or, you know, build a company as long as it brings value to the world. That's all that matters. Um, so over there, I started a project for kids because I was teaching at Sunday school and I was working with kids and I saw a huge gap in education. Um, this project involved augmented reality. I'm so happy that Megan Kaspar is also a big believer of augmented reality. But back then, only like four years ago, it was something that was still very early. And although there was a lot of excitement, the technology didn't adapt. And um, in 2020, I met Regina, uh, the co-founder of Artisan, and I just was blown away by digital fashion. Um, and she dressed me in my first outfit. I posted it, and I had this amazing feeling of gratification from getting likes and comments from people, as if I was wearing a real amazing dress. And that, I guess, was my point of non-return when I realized I need to learn more. And like going back to Shaylee's story when she explained like how many technological innovations we can bring to traditional fashion already, and how we can diversified through digital fashion, I was like, oh my God, there's so much work to do. And I just felt cold and inspired to contribute. It somehow started getting ideas and understanding and structure of the project that I wanted to do. And uh, luckily for me, Regina is one of the most talented designers. She's such a bright mind. And I guess we had complementing expertise and we brought it together and artisans started shining and growing really, really fast. And a part of you being that smart visionary for the space, getting your MBA, shifting from one global and mass industry to another, also knows that you were a big chess fan. I see your pictures of playing chess even after NFT NYC, one of the first posts you had 
on Twitter was you coming back, you relaxing. It's like a way for you to be yourself, for you to enjoy yourself. Uh, it's something interesting. That That's something that I actually love about because I know just a few people here in Web3 space who are that good enough, who are like spending a lot of time playing chess in particular. Well, honestly, after I made this post, so many people from, including Web3, reached out to me and were like, let's play a game. <laughs> so I would say a lot of people, a lot of entrepreneurs actually play chess because this is the amazing game that teaches you to see the bigger picture and think strategically. It's not about one move that you make. It's about seeing 20 moves ahead, your moves and your competitor moves, right? Now, so this is like a very good game, very good exercise, mind exercise for people who build businesses and want to, you know, are here for a long game because, because this is what chess is about. And like being in particular, like talking in particular, Kerry from The Fabricant is <laughs> It's like a big fan of chess, and I don't want to play with him because he's much better than me. He's good. He's really good. I didn't want to reach you out directly because I thought when I see you in live, it's going to be spontaneous. We're going to play a game with you. But other than that, since you just started sharing a couple of names out there, you mentioned Megan, huge shout out to her. You mentioned the Fabricant fan with Scary. There are a lot of brands who are innovating right now. A lot of Web3 native brands like DRAUP drop by Danny. There is Dresek. There is a Fabricant, RedDAO. There is a lot of brands who were born here in Web3 space. And a lot of traditional brands, as you said before, like Tommy Halfiger, Gucci, Prada, who are also innovating in this space. My question to both of you would be as follows. Since digital fashion and fashion web three space is something that you figured out some time ago, and as far as I know, you never regretted joining this space, who were some of these thought leaders, some of these biggest brands that help you to make this transition from web two space to web three in a more efficient and friendly way. Maybe you were a part of some fashion DAOs back in the days. Maybe you met someone, as you mentioned, Layla, for example, your relationships with uh, Kerry or uh, with Megan. Maybe someone impacted your decision to join the space. I just want to hear out a couple of names, a couple of brands out there for our audience to get a bit more connected with what this space is all about. I mean, I can certainly speak to the fact that my transition to Web3 initially came from Evelyn Mora of Digital Village. Um, and this was because I was, as an individual designer, reaching out for a showcase as part of Helsinki Fashion Week, which was the first digital fashion week. And that was born out of the necessity of COVID that they transitioned what was usually their IRL Fashion Week to a digital one. Um, but the, the kind of Web3 aspect came in was because she kind of frivolously mentioned that I could potentially sell the assets for tokens after the show. Um, but the whole token aspect was like, ex like excuse me, um, can I, what, what, what are tokens? <laughs> what the hell can I do with these tokens, you know? So 
it, it was uh, in a way like forced forced me to educate myself because hell you know like I was going to get these tokens so I needed to figure out what are they and what am I going to do with them um that was my like rabbit rabbit hole moment and then on top of that I would say kind of um certainly big part of my digital fashion web three education came from and I think I can speak for a lot of creators potentially here in this room or digital fashion creators in the space was that we are all part of the global design and network DAO um, that was set up um, as part of digital X, which had, you know, some of the first digital fashion sales on their platform. Um, and Emma Jane, who ran that was a big proponent of educating uh, and educating us at rapid pace. So I think uh, a lot of us would get lost along the way quite frequently. If you, if you, uh, you know, logged out of that Discord for a day, you, you had some serious fucking catching up to do. But it was um, extremely interesting to be part of that group. And it really fostered a lot of the beautiful friendships and connections that still stand here today uh, as part of digital fashion. And even just being part of maybe one of the first fully function Fashion, functioning fashion DAOs in terms of, you know, there was voting, there was like tokenization, it was um, very well thought out in that regard. Um, our first experience of seeing how that worked and seeing how that could work and seeing how we would participate in that. So, um, yeah, I think this this was very like valuable knowledge to be a part of. And certainly a lot of my learning came from those two spaces, those two people um, early on. And I absolutely love the fact that you just highlighted that all those people who were there in the space years back, they're still here and you're still well connected with these people. And I do believe digital fashion, Web3 fashion is such a niche in the whole Web3 ecosystems that it's basically run by maybe a hundred of people who are actively involved, people who are out there. I do believe, Shaylee, we were with you back in Paris during NFT Paris, uh, the event that Holly organized the day before the conference. And I do believe it was Kerry who actually said that if someone would run this place right now on a tank or like big vehicle or whatever, basically the whole Web3 uh, fashion space would be that from there because it's that little people but those people who were there from early days someone who started with bitcoin someone who started with ar vr 3d printers etc absolutely appreciate you highlighting the fact that these people are still here these people are still innovating this space yeah and i think we certainly can't you know nobody can pass up fabricant of course on this issue and and for me it's interesting because even I guess when I was first really sniffing around digital fashion as a medium, I was part of a Facebook group that Fabricant started. There was like 300 of us in there, you know. <laughs> it was just a space that they created um, that those who were exploring the medium itself could just post their work or, you know, look for jobs or discuss techniques, ask questions of each other. So, you know, I see that uh, Facebook group as really a lot, a uh, very, very early seed of what, of what was co to come. I mean, and, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, they are creators of the first fashion NFT on chain for a reason. That's, that's all I have to add here. 
Thank you for naming a couple of those people who help you to make the sufficient transition to the space. Leila, who are some of the people or those brands who make your life in Web3, specifically digital fashion, much more easier? Well, I would say my first point of entry was trading crypto. <laughs> Uh, when I was in grad school, I just got curious about like how it works and how people make so much money so fast. Um, then I heard about, you know, Hobbs, uh, Fidanzas, Claire Silver, and this like new artists. And some of them I thought were talented and some things seemed like a fraud. <laughs> like crypto rocks, for example. So the, my first point of entry into Web3 was through other projects and just like generally being curious about the, like this thing that everyone was talking about. And back then I lived in LA and it was like a very hot topic on every party, every event, everyone was talking about it. Um, as for digital fashion, um, my first point of entry was actually my co-founder, Regina. I saw her post wearing digital clothes on Instagram. It was like a random thing that just popped up on my feed because I wasn't following her. <laughs> and I just, as I said, I was just like so curious. So I reached out to her, said hi, she dressed my photo. And uh, since then I was just like for a while, I took this position of the ed educating myself and learning things. So uh, the first, I would say the voices from the industry were, yes, Megan Kaspar, Daniel Loftus, who else? Megan McDowell from Vogue Business. Um, Vogue Singapore um, started writing about digital fashion pretty early on, too. So I just started like listening and reading to these names. Of course, the Fabricant was a big project. Um, funny enough, the founders of Dressex, I met them in LA before Dressex. So I also been following their their career from very early stage when you know it was just an idea, the beginning, shaping something. <laughs> uh, but clearly, with the ambition and drive of these ladies, it was so obvious that they were going to go far. Uh, and I'm so happy that they work in the industry and take it to the next level. I'm very very excited to see what's going to happen next for them. Um, but what else? Dematerialized. I started uh, watching Dematerialized and their concept too pretty early on. I would say as early as 2021, like mid-2021. Um, and Steffi Fong was one of the most beautiful, brightest voices that I discovered pretty early on and started following her and learning about her. Um, yeah, and I also would say uh, I always was mesmerized by skins and the games. <laughs> So I would say before digital fashion, my first point of entry into digital fashion. Now I just realized it was through skins in games. Because like it's stupid, but sometimes I would finish playing the game when I dress my character. <laughs> so that was like the only part that really interested me is like how my character looks like. I didn't want to play the game. And for me the game itself was just dressing up the character. So yeah, these are I guess my points of entry and the first voices that kind of gave me education. And to Shaley's point, most of these people who I followed and learned from are still in the industry.
basically it's work business if you've been at their parties at their events in the last year or two you've been able to met uh, danny megan all of these people out there absolutely love the fact that i ask you this question because i want the audience to hear this name those are the people who have been in this space for years in some cases even almost 10 years right now and those are the people who are innovating the space together with Shaylee, together with Layla, together with Lana, together with all of us, which I'm a big fan of. So thank you, both of you, for sharing your background and those people who help you to make this transition much more easier. Talking about Web3 space right now, both Mutani and Artisan are considered as one of the most successful digital fashion houses, at least if you ask me, let's put it this way. And I absolutely loved what Leila just mentioned about her passion for digital skins, because I do believe one of the way how all these digital wearables ideas come from is from gaming. In gaming, you had these skins for the last 20 years. So it's kind of natural for gamers, for tech-savvy people to wear different skins, to have different weapons, to maybe even integrate it somehow in this traditional life through VR, AR, uh, filters, etc. So what I want to ask both of you is, what are you working on right now? Because it seems like, and that's something that the audience should understand from our discussion, the whole digital fashion, Web3 fashion scene is extremely early. It's extremely small, as Megan just mentioned a few days ago at NFT Now podcast, it's just getting started. But already right now, there are so many wonderful builders who are innovating in different ways. Some of them are creating fashion DAOs for you to share your ideas, for you to co-invest in different projects. Some of them are creating digital skins, digital wearables, even digital wearables out there for you to connect traditional space with this Web3 digital environment. What are you the most excited about when we're talking about digital fashion? Let's put it short term for the rest of 2023. And what are you, together with Mutani, together with Artisan, are working on in this direction. Leila, maybe we can start with you. Okay, if we're talking about 2023, it's a very different picture from, you know, 2033. And we'll get uh, there, don't year, worry. <laughs> uh, this year, main focus for Artisan is expanding the world of Artisan into this gamified platform, where we onboard a lot of new users because like uh, one of our realizations last year was is that like to the carries point again that you just brought up such a few people know and use digital fashion it's not sustainable so we decided to find ways and solutions on how to bring thousands of new users in the industry because this is the only way it's going to extend the chance to be mass market adaptable technology and we succeeded and right now we have over 100 160,000 users on the platform, uh, which is pretty good for digital fashion platform, and we keep it growing. So that's one of our focuses is to onboard users that 
to create the environment, the ecosystem where people can interact safely, this feeling of community on Discord. Our Discord is like on fire 24-7 because our community is all over the world. Um, and our second focus is, of course, supporting artists. That's the mission that we always stand by, is to support uh, creative voices in the industry because these are future, you know, Tommy Hilfiger's, Ralph Lauren, Coco Chanel. Maybe we don't understand it yet, but these young designers who have this hard courage and audacity to learn new tools, new technical skills, and to start bringing them in the industry, it's very courageous. They take a massive risk and massive responsibility for future generations because they're on a mission of making fashion more sustainable. It's just like, think about the first people who started, you know, going to the United States when there was nothing here and they were like building the first houses <laughs> and had to like fight very aggressive environment. So I guess this is like the creators are like this first people who take this first step into the unknown and start building it for us. So that's why every day when we do a free drop and we do minting, we also give royalty to the designers, of course. And I know that in bear market, digital fashion designers don't make any money, if any at all. So I really think that this opportunity of making royalty money on artisans is something that will help them very, very much. Plus, when you do a free drop with us, a lot of people collect your item and you expand your community as an artist and you get a pretty good exposure so I would say adapting your users and supporting artists through quite challenging bear market are our two top priorities. And I will need most probably to redefine a bit for the audience because Leila is humble enough, but the community that they have right now at Artisan is just massive. It's not just good enough. It's not just a lot of people. It's just massive. And these guys are making sure that this digital fashion for the community, for people who came here to learn about Web3. Maybe people are not that much interested in Web3, but they love fashion. They want to see what is this digital fashion about. Artisan is making sure that it is accessible and it's making sure that people actually understand what is happening in this space by educating, by explaining simple things, even how you can mint, how you can see the radable uh, of your collectible. It's all, all of it is on socials, all of it is in Discord, all of it is out there for people to learn, for people to grow together with the brand, which I absolutely support and I absolutely love that you are a part of this huge and, as you said, very sustainable story. Thank you. Thank you so much. Shaylee. What about you? What's the plan for Mutani in 2023? And what do you believe will be this main focus for the whole digital fashion space? Yeah, I mean, I think I've some, somewhat skipped the uh, in this space. So I'll kind of preface this with, you know, our North Star, which is um, working with high creative fashion designers um, and talented digital creators to produce digital fashion assets for games, virtual worlds, and the open metaverse. And the goal is to really help designers um, find creative and financial emancipation through this new um, revenue stream um, and galvanize players towards raw acts of self-expression in games and the open metaverse. 
and the way that we choose to work is like a record label by advancing the production, promotion, marketing, and sales for the designers, and then channeling a percentage on sales and royalties back to the designers. So there's an aspect of kind of low effort, passive income. They don't have to understand the technology necessarily, but they get to reap the benefits, and then the players get to reap the benefits of of more ways and more new versions of self-expression. Um, now, the issue there is, uh, in terms of the tech, we're not there yet. You know, when we first launched uh, with Stefan Karchev on the Dematerialized, we were able to prove our business model. Um, you know, Stefan got a, a really great sum of money out of this that he was able to channel back into his production um, and continue his creative practice. And we were able to take our percentage and channel it back into building new projects with new designers. And this is the way we want it to work. But of course, in this market, yeah, it's just not possible. And like Layla said, um, you know, we have to re-navigate and build practical ways in which we can benefit the creator and benefit the artist. Um, and at this point, it's extremely hard to, to work with that financial model because it places us in a lot of risk. So, I mean, for this reason, like I said, I kind of sat back from the overseas conferences because I'm really right now focusing on doing a good research. Um, I'm actually really enjoying um, tapping into our close network in the game development sector, um, connecting with our neighbours at DAE, Howest, which is one of the best gaming schools in the world, and um, kind of fostering a closer collaboration with the gaming entities because, uh, you know, I feel like there's a lot of focus in digital fashion around catering to the large brand. But of course, we are representing a new upcoming brands, high creative brands, uh, designers at the front of aesthetics that we feel make sense in game environments. So we're trying to tailor our offering with something that I hope will be more stable throughout these fluctuating markets and to really serve a need within the gaming um, communities, within the game development sector. So um, I hope uh, you know, for 2023 that we will be able to build a, a really great um, model um, with our North Star insight to be able to reach that end goal um, for the designers and players, but one that will be able to stand the test of time um, because we found that, you know, a lot of challenges having to rely on the emerging technologies, the financial market. Um, yeah, we need to be able to sustain. So this is really my core focus at this time. And then I would say on top of that, we have a lot of really fun projects. I mean, if you haven't seen already, we just dropped with the Smurfs last week. Um, so I, yeah. I, pinned the tweet. I pinned the tweet earlier in oh, the space thank today. You. It's amazing. <laughs> I'm so chuffed for this. So, you know, building out really nice projects with Web3 communities, I'm all about it. Um, so, you know, we're continuing on with this collaboration with the Smurfs. We'll be designing full looks for the Smurfs with our network of designers. Um, so, and they've really given us free creative reign. So it's really nice because we're kind of both Belgian representing avant-garde fashion in Belgium and, you know, the amazing legacy of cartooning and comics here in Belgium. And it's a beautiful synergy. So um, projects like that, um, yeah, we're, we're, we're really enthusiastic about building. And we also have a nice project with um, punk episodes coming up where we're doing some really cool um, 
custom robes for the crypto punks um so digital offering where the punks can upload their punk into a generative tool that gives you a titan in your punk colors which is then auto applied to a glb of the 3d robe and then you can forge your 3d robe for a physical robe that we are custom creating in your punk titan with your punk on it so i'm really just enjoying also this kind of um, project by project experimentations with the technology on offer, um, which is what a lot of we've been doing these past two years is testing a lot of the mediums and what you can do creatively um, with these mediums as well. Absolutely love the way how you summarized everything that we had to discuss here today. The only way for you to build something sustainable, something for the audience, people to use out there is to test out the water, is for you to innovate, for you to risk, for you not to be afraid to go in the different direction than the majority of people. And Shaley, you mentioned that the technology is not here yet. And I do believe it's not a surprise to any of our fashionistas who are listening to us here today. The way how I want to end up our conversation today is basically by expanding the command that Layla had seven minutes ago by saying, sure, term 2023 is completely different story, vision for the whole digital fashion than what it will be in five, 10 years from now. So the way I want to end today's show is by asking both of you, in short, what is your thesis for digital fashion space by 2030? So let's say up to 10 years from now, where do you see digital fashion? What do you see digital fashion to be out there? Is it all about AR and integration be between traditional world, physical world, and Web3 world on-chain? Is it something different? Share with us your thesis on which you will be working right now, taking into account that it can be changed many times and it will be changed many times based on market conditions and all this new innovations that are coming. But what is the thesis you have right now for digital fashion by 2030? Okay, uh, I can go first. <laughs> That's a very exciting topic. Um, I would start with like, let's go into 2033 and look at the world if we don't change the ways we work in fashion because I believe there shouldn't be a differentiation between digital and fashion. It's just fashion. Um, and I suggest to everyone who's listening to this um, uh, episode to read the book called Termination Shock by Neil Stephenson, a man who created the term crypto in 1994. Clearly, he's a visionary and now he has a fan called Lamina and he's very supportive of like different projects in Web3. And in this book, Termination Shock, you can see what's going to happen if we don't change the way in terms of, of the environment. So what I would put focus on right now is thinking, how can we reverse these processes that are described so vividly in the book? And I would say the first uh, reformation should be still made in a traditional fashion, because, you know, whatever we do in digital fashion, if traditional fashion continues working the way it does, <laughs> we still are going to end up in a very bad place. Uh, and I know for a fact, and I'm sure as Chaley can add to it or back me up, that there are so many amazing technological tools that can be integrated today into traditional fashion to make it way more sustainable. For example, digital prototyping. 
that will remove a lot of excessive waste from the part of like designing clothes and creating the first prototypes from you know using organic materials using um artificial leathers made of waste like grape seeds or orange peels and stuff like that there's so many amazing technologies today that will allow to make fashion way more sustainable ar triumphs um, a digital first model where people get to try on something, experiment with it before spending my money and buying it and then like maybe wasting it after wearing it once or never wearing it because as you know, 40% of Western clothes that goes unworn. People consume things just for the sake of consumption and getting the feeling of instant gratification of buying something and unpacking it rather than just like buying things that you really, really need in in real world. So I really think that digital first should be a must model. Adoption of the production ways for traditional fashion should be a must. And I know it's a gradual process. So we should be should start working on it today to make sure that in 2033, we have these models working efficiently in place. Because I know there will be a lot of resistance from traditional manufacturers because their models work and they make a lot of money. Why would they change it? And I think it's only the element of social an environmental sustainability responsibility that can make the shift. And it's on us as a community to make the shift, to indicate to these big companies that we are not okay with them working this way. And we have this power and this is our choice. So that's, I would say, my biggest focus. And I also think that maybe by 2033, we will finally have good AR headset <laughs> on the market for fair price. The one that will not have overheating issues will not be heavy and will not look ugly <laughs> because I really think that although some people are very optimistic about AR coming into our world really really soon from what I learned and my previous project was in AR is that we're still really really far away in terms of hardware for mass adoption of this technology but I think by 2033 it's something that we could use a lot and I'm very excited about it as well. Yeah, I, I certainly agree with, with many of your points, Layla, and I, it's certainly on the, um, you know, on the pre, pre-production um, model. And I see a lot of um, brands now incorporating digital fashion into their production line um, for the sampling. But this production on demand aspect um, through pre-order, it's something that, that we recently tested with Stefan Karcher from Metaverse Fashion Week. Um, and yes, it does in, uh, require a shift in mindset in terms of production, but I think it also requires a big shift in mindset in terms of the buyer. We're so used to ordering something and arriving the next day. So I see a kind of a disparity between this like rapid fire um, technological advancement, but at the same time, this shift towards localization and reshoring and then bringing back this traditional craftsmanship and and it's something I see also coupled with AI. I feel like the more things become dehumanized, technologically speaking, the more the value of what is human or what is touched by human hands um, will go up, uh, at least of my impression. So, um, yeah, kind of pol- polarizing or, um, yeah, contrasting uh, effects there, I would say. Um, so that's kind of based, you know, of what you've mentioned, but also I see a kind of, if we imagine a future where 
we are more socially engaged in a 3D spatial world or a spatial computing sense um, that our social media is uh, three-dimensional um, and that it's more of this immersive visual version of self-expression. Um, the transition between kind of these spaces that are both gaming, uh, social atmosphere, uh, social signaling, um, our work life, our personal life, inhabiting this virtual space. Um, I see that transitioning to reality more and more. You know, you also see it now, but it happened with Instagram. If, if, if you can see how Instagram has affected our ability to explore new subcultures, new ways of expressing ourselves, new aesthetics, new crafts, new trends. Um, it's it's a, a great hole to dive into when you want to seek inspiration or try out something new on yourself or um, learn. So I see that that space had empowered a lot of free self-expression. Now you can only imagine what that would do if that was 3D and immersive. And how close our physical and digital identities could potentially become or how our digital identities could influence our physical identities in such a way that we have a space where we're free and maybe in that sense we feel freer in real. Um, so I see more of a feedback loop instead of having this, I have a physical space, I have a digital space, seeing that as a synergy uh, something that intermingles with each other. In what ways exactly? Like, I do not know. But I really see it having an influence in terms of the way people express themselves visually. Um, because I already kind of see the seeds of that there, certainly um, in the in Instagram space. I absolutely love the way how we're ending up today's space, because regardless of your background, regardless of your thesis understanding for this digital fashion space, the truth is that we're just guessing out here. We're extremely early and with the whole blockchain, with the whole Web3 space changing in a matter of days, some companies, some brands, some people who are relevant days, weeks ago, they don't exist anymore. We don't know. But the fact that we know is that all of us are going to stay here. All of us are going to innovate try different things before we find something that works efficiently, sustainably, something that is for mass adoption, for accessibility of people. And I do believe both of you, ladies, Layla, Shaley, you're doing it already right now. Just digging to this space, just innovating, just being with all of these wonderful builders out there. And I have nothing but respect for everything that you do for this space and i'm truly honored not just to be somehow connected with you through this digital space but actually being well connected with both of you in real life spending some time with both of you having this deep conversations about the space enjoying different events different uh, groups of fashion innovators in which we are all together Thank you very much for coming today because both of you are amazing and I absolutely enjoyed the last hour of conversations that we had out there, lady. Thank you for uh, having thank us. Yes, thank you so much, Nikki. It's been so lovely to join you here and also especially with Layla because I really do enjoy sharing these spaces with you, Layla. <laughs> <laughs> Me too.
Thank you. It was definitely a special one. Uh, Let's agree on this. Thank you very much, Leila and Shaylee, once again. The reason I ask you about your thesis uh, for the upcoming years because I would absolutely love to have both of you back on my show later this year to reflect on what we discussed and what has happened in this space. Thank you for your energy. Thank you for your passion. Thank you, everyone who joined us today. Lana, Dmitri, Javo, guys, you're all amazing. As always, Origins XYZ, every Tuesday, 2 p.m. GMT, we'll be back with more guests, with more OGs in this space. Absolutely enjoyed having all of you today, and I see you in the Metaverse or in Lisbon very soon. See you. See you there. Bye. See you. Bye.